So our message today is, uh, comes from Luke chapter 12 and verses 13 to 21, and the title is Being Rich Toward God. And these are Jesus' words that he uses in this passage. He says, you need to be rich toward God. And so um, uh, let me go ahead and, and read the passage for you. Uh, if you're able to, why don't you stand for the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to, uh, in honor of God's Word. Here it says, uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have, an ample, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things uh, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. You know, you think about it. Um, Everybody has some sort of a philosophy, whether they're aware of it or not, about what brings them life. They have some kind of a philosophy of what, what is truly living, right? What life is about. Uh, put it another way, you know, what is, the, what, what is really our purpose? Uh, what, it, what is it life about? And Jesus definitely addresses that here uh, when we get to this first part where he's saying life is not about your possessions. So he makes that clear because we apparently, um, and this would not be uncommon, by the way, for someone to go to their rabbi or their teacher and say, uh, help us with this dispute we're having. So apparently this, um, we're, we're, we're conjecturing here, but there's, this, there, there's the one brother he's talking to, his, uh, uh, talking about his other brother, and apparently the one wasn't going to, felt like he was getting the short end of the stick on the inheritance. So presumably, you know, the father passed away, and so they're looking to pass on the wealth. And, um, and so this brother, most likely the younger brother, was coming to Jesus and saying, uh, would you please tell my brother, actually, you know, you think about this, he really wasn't interested in what was the right thing to do. So we don't know what the right thing to do was in this situation because we don't know everything. He was saying, just tell my brother. You know, he's just telling Jesus what to do. Jesus, tell my brother to um, divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus is like, nope, I'm not entering into that. That's really not what I'm about right now. Uh, that's not what my focus is. So that's why he said, you know, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you in verse 14. But then he starts um, and, he, and he said to them, so you know he's talking to more than just a brother, 
right? He said to them, plural. So presumably his disciples, who has been talking to um, uh, earlier in the previous passage, and so others around, but definitely his disciples. He said to them, verse 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so, so we see Jesus is saying, you know, uh, this issue here that this guy is coming to for brings something to the forefront of what's really important, okay? And your possessions and your money are not what life is really about, right? Because he says, uh, first of all, be on guard against coveting, which is re- basically just greed. In fact, um, one of the commentators I looked up, Hendrickson, says the Greek word for covetousness is very descriptive. He says literally it means the thirst for having more, always having more, and more and still more. So that means, you know, that's a lot of desire, right? Wanting more, just wanting more, it's like not enough. Um, it's not enough to have what I need. I got to have a lot more and more than that. Uh, and so, so he's saying, be on your guard against that because he says one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He's saying, that's what not life, life is not about that. But, you know, uh, not to vilify everything, I don't have that attitude that just everything is just, you know, in and of itself evil, but turn on the television, pick up a newspaper, uh, pick up a catalog, right? And, and everything there is, in a sense, telling you, you need something. You know, what's in here, something you don't have, you need it, right? You need that new car, you need that whatever it is. And I'm not saying it's bad to have a new car. I'm just saying, you know, you've got to realize that we're in a materialistic world, right? And so Jesus is saying, be on your guard against that uh, because that's not what life is about. And if you, start, if you start going that way, that it's about your possessions and how big your bank account is, um, then, then you're going to be sorely disappointed in the end. And so this is his main point here. In fact, you know, in Colossians 3, 5, um, we're told that really covetousness or this greed is really just another form of idolatry because this stuff can become your God. Money can become your God. Now, if we have the proper view towards material things, that these are just tools to be used uh, to accomplish whatever mission God has for us, that's, not, that's no problem, right? No problem at all. Uh, it's when those, it's kind of like when the, when the tail wags the dog. When, when the stuff is what it's about, and when the money is what's driving things, that's uh, when there is a problem. And so Jesus is saying, be on your guard. Be on your guard against this. Um, and I just think that, you know, you know, the Scripture does warn us too, like, you know, don't, don't ever say, well, that'll never happen to me. You know, if you think that you'll never fall into this trap, then you're probably halfway into the trap, okay? You, you got to realize, you know, you just got to realize you have to be on guard even if you think you've got this down, okay? So just think about that. If you're thinking that, okay, I kind of got this down. If that's what the message is, you know, I can just whoop, 
dial out. Well, um, I wouldn't suggest that because God is telling us here, be on your guard. doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey, he's saying, or how mature you are spiritually, you have to be on your guard. Real life is not about possessions. Okay, so, so he issues the warning, and then uh, we move on to the rest of the passage here where Jesus tells us uh, through the story and through his little ending statements after the story what the point of the story is. But, but here it is. Life is really about being rich toward God. This is what he's saying. You want to you really know what life is about and you really want to experience life to the full, you need to be rich toward God. And so the question is, what is that? What is that, right? So um, let me just take a quick look with you back at this story, right? A parable. In verse 16, it says, um, it says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I mean, what a great problem. What a wonderful problem. I, there were a farmer here and, and the bumper crop. I mean, just so, I mean, so much uh, has been produced um, that he's like, I don't have, my barns aren't big enough for what we hauled in. And so, so he's saying, you know, what shall I do? He's concerned about this. Where am I going to store my crops? Verse 18, and he says, and he said, and so you hear this self-talk. We're kind of like entering into his, his brain. We hear what he's thinking. He says, um, he thought to himself, uh, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, so he's answering himself, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. So he's got a plan. He's got, got a plan to solve this issue. Well, is it a problem to build bigger barns? Not necessarily, right? Not necessarily, uh, a problem to build bigger barns to hold this here. But then it says in verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And so he's just, he's looking to this stuff to be his security, right? He's looking to, for these big fat barns if you will, uh, to, to be his security. And by the way, did you notice that everything there, there's no acknowledgement of God? He says, uh, um, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods and my, 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 my. He doesn't acknowledge God in any of this. He doesn't say, well, praise the Lord. We've got a, so much I don't know what to do with. You know, it's no acknowledgement whatsoever uh, that God has blessed him in this way. And I think that's really half the battle here is that the right, having the, the proper biblical attitude, godly attitude towards possessions and money is recognizing that God has given you the ability to have that job, perform well. Uh, if you're a farmer, have that crop. Whatever it is, God has given you those skills, and he has blessed you with that. And so um, 
if you can get over the hump uh, and get to the truth of what Scripture tells us is that everything that we have comes from God and really ultimately belongs to Him, uh, then, th- then that, will, that will settle probably 99% of your issues uh, when it comes to possessions. Okay, If you can just settle the truth that, that God is the owner of all things and that He gives us the ability to produce wealth, and it says this in, in 2 Chronicles, uh, I think chapter 16, if I'm thinking right, um, just read Second Chronicles. You'll be safe. Uh, you'll find it. Um, it'll be and it'll be great because it's God's word. You know. Um, but anyway, so so here we've got this. Um, we we kind of get a we get a glimpse of his soul and what really matters to him, right? Because what matters to somebody is what they're talking about, what they're concerned about. That's what matters to them, right? And so, um, and we see here that this uh, stuff, his possessions, really had a hold of him. And that's very clear from the story, right? And he was really counting on. I mean, what are you gonna do? what's he going to do if his barn burns down? I mean, you would hate for it to happen, but I'm just saying, right? I mean, a- anybody here that's putting, any, any of us that are putting any money in individual retirement accounts, Okay, or we're counting on Social Security, you know, whatever it is, we got no guarantees, right? Anytime I go to the uh, financial, my financial advisor once a year, you know, and, and then we kind of say, well, if we assume this and we assume this, we assume, yeah, well, we're got lots of assumptions. And I get it. That's how you forecast. I understand that. Mathematic, okay? But we got to realize, and it's good to plan. I mean, there's lots of Proverbs on saving and be like the ant, those are good things, right? We need to do our diligence, right? But the thing is, uh, we really ultimately need to make sure that our, uh, the, what we're uh, trusting in is not the money, is not, not this thing or, or a certain particular outcome, but God, right? That uh, we trust in Him and make sure that things are in proper um, we, we have a good relationship with money and possessions. That's what I'm saying, right? Um, and so uh, this is what happens to this man, and he's really, you can see that verse 19, you know, look, I, hey, man, I've, I've, got, I've got my all my stuff invested in this stuff. You know, it's just, look, look, at, look at the, and everything's going up and to the right on the graph, you know? He's, he's like, oh, man, it's going to be a great retirement, you know? And... Um, and so, in verse 20, though, <laughs> uh, I'm laughing. I'll tell you why in a minute. It's a scary place up here, okay? Things, I'm thinking things like, should I say this now? Like, I didn't plan to say it, but, you know, there's lots of negotiation that goes on, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. I mean, there are things I think about. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. In other words... Time's up, Jack. That's really what they say. Time's up. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? He's like, you know, all those barns are going to go to somebody. You can't take it with you. I mean, we know that, but this is a reminder, right? Uh, We don't want to put our hope in those things. And 
And Jesus is saying, you know, it's really, you really shouldn't be going through life not giving a thought to your eternal destiny and spiritual things. That should be like top priority. Relationship with God and, and wanting to do what pleases Him. That should be top priority. He says, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? Then verse 21, he says, so this, so is the one, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's really a sad story. I mean, it's a story, okay, but it's a sad story, right? And Jesus is trying to make a point to be on guard Right and have the proper relationship um, with money and possessions. Now, on that, uh, on what Jesus said there in verse twenty, where it says, uh, "You know, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be?" reminds me of Ecclesiastes um, chapter two, verses eighteen and nineteen, and it says there. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. And, you know, this under the sun is is really a way of saying, you know, kind of life without God in your life. Life under the sun. Like, if all, this all there is, right? Without God in your life, life is vanity. I mean, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die, and that's it. But that's not it. We know that. But Solomon is telling us uh, there in Ecclesiastes 2, Basically, what Jesus is saying there about, well, who's, who, somebody's going to get your stuff because you're not taking it with you. That's not happening. Right? So, so we need to be rich toward God. And so I want to kind of go the positive direction now. We've kind of got the, hopefully got the, the biblical idea of like, it's, it's not about stuff. We need to make sure we're, we, we have a proper relationship with possessions and money and um, that God, we should have a proper view that, you know, everything we have is God's. But then, um, let's talk about this being rich toward God. And the first thing is, if you want to be rich toward God, experiencing real life, because remember what he said is life is not about possessions, right? So what is it about? What is it about? Experiencing real life is first found in the restoration of our relationship with God. Top priority, number one, is you need to have a relationship with God. That's, you know, wanna, you want to experience real life the way the Creator meant it to be. We must be rightly related to God. Okay? That's, that's number one, number one. And uh, Jesus tells us this uh, as we look at um, John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He's saying, you know, if you, get to, if you know me, you will have life and have it abundantly. 
Because then you'll be connected. You'll be connected to the one who created you, right? And who better to know what's going to give you life than the one who made you, right? And that's just really it. I mean, I, I think a lot of the issues that people are struggling with today really go back to Genesis. They go back to the beginning and God's design. And if you work it out and live life according to God's design, then you'll be blessed by his grace. Because, you know, if you, you know, everybody knows, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but probably everybody knows you you don't use a hammer to um, unscrew a screw. Okay? And you don't use a screwdriver to pound a nail. Well, why not? That's not what they're designed for. We're designed to know God. Our life is found in Him. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, I came that you might have life. And so if you want to know what life is really about, you've got to know me. We have to come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Right? That's um, the meaning of life according to the Word of God, right? Is to know God and who He really is. And then so many other things open up then as we come to know God through Jesus Christ, right? And really this, this happens by God's grace. This happens by God's grace. You know, we, none of us left to our own really seek God. Uh, Romans chapter 3 tells us that none of us really seek out God on our own. It's God who draws us to himself, okay? And, um, and, and then we respond, we respond to that drawing, right? Now, there's a lot that could be more that could be said about that. But the thing is, is that um, you have to put your faith in Jesus, if you want to come into a relationship with God. Okay? And that means not just believe that he existed. You have to believe that not only that he existed, but that he is who he said he was in the Bible. Okay? God come in the flesh, right? Come down for the purpose uh, to seek and to save the lost, right? Uh, and, 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 and meaning that he offered himself up on that cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so that basically the, uh, um, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what God's Word said, right? So um, if you want the righteousness of Jesus uh, put to your account, which is not righteous, by the way, none of us is righteous or holy in and of ourselves, right? And you want your sin to be put on him, right? So you see that exchange there? Uh, our sin put upon him, his righteousness given to us. They call that the great exchange. That happens when you put your faith in Jesus, when you believe uh, what the Scripture says about who Jesus said he was, the Son of God, come in the flesh, come to save us from our sins. And, of course, he didn't just, um, of course, he died on the cross, right? Three days later, rose from the dead, right? And then, uh, many days later then, um, he, uh, he rose into heaven, ascended into heaven, and is now waiting there. 
um, with God the Father, and we'll be returning one day. But, but the thing is, is that, you know, if we talk about, if you want, you know, because the whole thing here is Jesus saying life is not about possessions, right? Well, what is it about? It's about knowing God. And once you know him, then you realize you were created to love him and to glorify him. And so then when you come to know God through Jesus Christ, uh, you, you recognize that, oh, my life is not about me. It's about God now. And yes, God cares about stuff that's going on in my life and so on, but but. Uh, we, we live a Godward, God-oriented life rather than ourself being at the center. And so that's the first thing, right? Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'm tying into this true life. So think about true life as having the desires of your heart, true life, right? Well, when you get to know God through Jesus Christ, right, and you start delighting in him, then you experience true life. You experience true life. The desires of your heart, our, our desires come in alignment with his, and we are, we, we are the way he designed us to be. And that's delight. Scripture describes it as delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, right? So the very first thing here, right, is experiencing where life is first found in the restoration of our relationship with God, and then secondly, though, as believers, so once you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you become a believer, a Christian, right? Because you've got to realize, okay, nobody's born into this world a Christian, okay? You must be born again. I didn't make up those words. Jesus said them, okay? Born again gets a bad rap sometimes, okay? But born again just means that. You have to be born from above. We're born into this world through our mothers, Okay? But, but to be born from above, we have to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, to God through Jesus, and put our faith in him. That's born again. You must be born again. And once you are, so when we say believers, that's what we mean, born again Christians, we must invest in things that are of eternal significance. Because you could be a Christian but not have an eternal perspective, that would be wrong. I mean, that would not be what God would want. But you can be a Christian and still be kind of like self-focused, navel-gazing. You could fall into the trap of materialism, okay? That's why Jesus said guard against it to his disciples. Guard against it. And so um, I mentioned financial planners. You know, financial planners, they tell us when it comes to your money, when you're planning for retirement, they say, don't think three years Think 30 years. Now, it depends on where you are in your journey, okay? Because the closer you get to whenever you think you're going to retire, you get more conservative, right, with those things. That's, that's what they usually say with your investments. But, but so they try to get you have the long view when it comes to investment. For believers, it's not the 30-year view, it's the 30-million-year view and we're not talking money. You need to think eternally, right? Have an eternal mindset. Is what I'm giving my time to, is what I'm investing that extra funds in, is it paying spiritual benefits? 
That's the thing we got to think about. That guy in that parable didn't give one thought about how he could use that extra to bless other people. Okay, I'm not talking communism here. I'm just talking about generosity, okay? Generosity. If he was truly a man of God, he'd be thinking, hey, God's blessed me, and therefore I am to be a conduit of blessing to other people. And he wasn't thinking that way at all. And so uh, this is the, but this is the mindset that I'm talking about we need to have as believers. God wants us to have an eternal mindset. It's not that God doesn't care about what's happening now. So if that's what you're thinking about, that's not it. Okay, you're missing it. Okay? God cares about your needs now for sure. There's a lot said about that. But I'm saying like long term though, we need to think about how we're investing our time and our and our, the funds that we have that God has given us responsibility, we need to think about it in terms of what's eternally significant. And Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust <clears throat> destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your heart is, your money follows. Or your possessions, you know, it, it tells you the relationship you have with stuff. Okay? Money is really a heart issue. Okay? It's really a heart issue, our attitude towards that. And, to, and so I, I just say, you know, if God blesses you with an abundance of money here on this earth or possessions, be careful. You need to be careful. Use that blessing to invest in eternal things. God's word speaks to this, okay? So if you have an abundance of money, this is for you. Now, that could be relative, right? An abundance, I get it. But think, think about it. I'm just going to let God speak to whoever he wants to speak. I'm going to read the word here. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so, first of all, you see there he's saying, now, if you're rich, he's saying, if you've got a lot of extra there, be careful. Recognize that God has done that. And then he says, speaking of the same group of people, the rich in this world, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. That's amazing. In other words, God's saying, as God has blessed you financially, that's a responsibility. That's a responsibility, right? That he wants you to do something with that. He wants you to accomplish good works with that. Now, what that is, that's between you and him. But the fact that you should go to the Lord and say, God, you've blessed me with this. What do you want me to do with it? How can I do good work in your name so that you'll be glorified with that? Okay. And so this is just something um, we need to come humbly before God and have the proper perspective. And 
look for his direction. Verse 19, though, goes on and says, thus, it says, when you do this, when, you, when you're generous with your finances and you do good works in his name, he says, thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take, ho- take hold of that which is what? Truly life. Did you get that? True. He's like, life is not in your money. Person that has a lot of money, you're going to find real life if you've got your sights set on the ultimate future and are generous with what God has given you and do good works with that. And if you're doing that, praise the Lord. You know, you should give him the glory. Because again, it's all his anyway, right? And so that's something we needed to think about. Now, the other thing you need to do, so this is, I, that word was, if the Lord's given you a lot, you have a responsibility, right? That's how you become rich toward God. That's what I'm talking about. Now, how do we become rich toward God? The other thing, way to become rich toward God is to invest spiritually in your own life. Invest spiritually in your own walk with God, okay? Invest spiritually. Let me uh, read a verse here, and I'll tell you what I'm talking about here. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8 says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So he has this analogy, right, between the physical body and training, right, the discipline that it takes, right, to to, to kind of, whether it's maintain a certain weight or have, have just basic muscle strength and tone that you need to, to be healthy. He's saying, well, that's fine. He's not dissing, totally dissing that, like you shouldn't take care of your body. But he is saying, you know what? You better t- pay at least as much attention to what's going on in your life spiritually. You need to be dissing spiritually. And this is important. Right, investing in our lives spiritually, and this can get this. There's a lot here, right? Because God has provided for us in a number of different ways for our own spiritual growth. We're talking about our spiritual growth and health, right? Intake of the Word of God, Bible intake, because uh, that's the Word of God, and we feed our souls with the Word of God. So we need to be in the Word regularly, letting God examine our hearts and. And we, we hear his voice in the word of God because he has spoken in the word of God. And we respond to that, whether it's scripture memorization or, or um, you know, which is for the purpose of uh, meditation on the word of God, not just so you can quote a verse to somebody. Right? The only reason you want to memorize something in scripture, I, hopefully, is so that you can think about it and, and, and use it for in your own life, and so that the Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind as you need it. But those are ways that God grows us. Regular times of prayer, right? Our relationship with God. Prayer is talking to God. If you never talk to God, how's that relationship going to be growing? Right? Being in fellowship with other believers is another way that God has provided for us 
as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. We, we need each other, right, to help each other grow, to encourage one another, right, to, to, to also lovingly come alongside each other when we need to. These are all, I'm just bringing up all what you would call the means of growth, the ways that God has provided for us. Giving, serving, it goes on and on. It's just like when I mentioned like investing in your marriage, however you might do that. Whether it's reading a book together that has to do with your marriage or whether it has to do with a marriage conference, whatever it might be. But invest. But you have to be intentional. Right? I, I, I wish, I so wish I could go to bed at night and just think pleasant thoughts about, you know, six-pack abs, and they actually happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's happening for him. I, we'll find out. <laughs> but, you know, in other words, it takes intentionality, right? I guess you've got to actually do a few sit-ups or something, or whatever you're going to do to work that particular area of your body to help strengthen it as you need. It takes intentionality. We, we you know... It doesn't surprise us when I say that. So it shouldn't be a surprise if you are where you were five years ago spiritually and you haven't done anything intentionally that you are where you are. So we have to, we have to be intentional. And, you know, listen, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. There are some people that just won't start things if they don't think they can f- completely fulfill it. But you just have to step out there. You have to start getting in the Bible. You have to start praying. You know, the only way to learn pray is to pray. I, I love me a good book prayer. I, I even sent a video about prayer to some friends of mine this week. But you know what? I can watch all the videos I want, and I can read all the books I want of prayer, but I'm not going to learn to pray except for to pray. Amen. Does anybody else need help in that area? All right. God wants us to... He wants, us, he wants us to grow. That's, that's a spiritual investment. That's, that's thinking 30 million years. Investing in that. And the other thing I just want to mention here as we close this, land the plane here, is, is uh, so, so we've got the, you know, if, you're, if you've, God's blessed you financially, right? He wants you, so all, this, all of this has to do with Investing in things that are of eternal significance. I mentioned the finances there, if the Lord's blessed you in that way. Uh, I've mentioned investing in your own life spiritually and being intentional. The last thing I just want to say about this is, is to invest spiritually in other people's lives. The Word of God and people's souls, man, that's what's going to last forever. And we need to invest in people's lives, whether that's through discipleship and people that are already believers but I don't think it should just be that. We also need to look to share Jesus with people. People need Jesus. Have you noticed that? Because we need Jesus, right? And it's not just for us. I love Paul's attitude in um, 2 Corinthians. And I'm, I don't have the whole passage up here. Um, I've just got the reference. So let me just mention this. And um, this 2 Corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians chapter 5, by the way, is probably one of my favorite passages when I think about ministry to other people. Because Paul is just laying out how he sees the world. 
from God's point of view. The things that are happening in his life is even for the purpose of other people. That's so that whatever God's doing in his life, he, he sees that as it's going to have an impact on somebody else someday. So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 6, real quickly says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. This is verse 8. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. So think about this. If you're still drawing breath this side of heaven, God's got you here for a reason, okay? And your aim should be to please him, right? That's what it says. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Then he says, therefore, number verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. You know, he was defending his apostleship. There were people who were saying, he's doing this, he's got ulterior motives and all this. And so he's saying, no, no, our heart's right with God. Verse 13, For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all died. Verse 15, and he died for all. Why did he do that? That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He's saying, this is why he died for you. Not so you could sit on your behind and, and, you know, be like that. I think about this song many years ago, Amy Grant had called Fat Baby. It was about this spiritually fat person. Think, imagine an adult in a big old diaper, all right, with a big baby bottle, you know, and they're just, they're huge because they've taken in all this spiritual knowledge, but they're not doing anything with it. They're not living for others. It's all about them. And that's not what uh, Paul wants us to do. He's saying, listen, uh, the love of Christ should control us. He's saying, therefore, the fear of the Lord, he says in verse 11, we persuade others, right? He's saying, we got to be out there having a mindset of investing our lives in other people. Um, You need to look this up. I'm not going to read it because we're over time here. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 22. This is where Paul basically says, I do everything for the sake of the gospel. I do everything so that people will come to Christ. I'll do everything I can short of compromising my faith to reach people for Christ. And I'm like, Lord, make me like that because I am not there yet. Right? And, and that's, that's what it's going to take, you know, investing life. And by the way, and welcome to the ministry, okay? It doesn't matter if you're vocationally paid for, for what, when, when you invest in people's lives, you've got no guarantee of return. It's always so hard for me when you pour into somebody's life and then they take off, right? And that happens. And sometimes it's for good reasons. Sometimes it's for not good reasons. But the thing is, it's not, we're not in control of those outcomes, are we? We are called to invest in people's lives. 
It will pay dividends spiritually for the Lord. It will. But at times, it's going to be hard. At times, it will be hard. But you know what? That's where the fun is. When you're out there on the edge of the limb, and you're doing it for Jesus, and you're investing in people's lives, and you're, it, it's fun. It's scary at the same time. Right? And so these, these are the things that matter. People's souls, word of God coming into our lives, making us more like Jesus. Right? Let's go to the Lord here. God, we need your help. We need your help, God, to, to have the proper perspective um, on things, on possessions, God. Help us to be rich towards you. Help us to grow in our richness towards you. Help us, God, that if you've, if you've given us an abundance of possessions and money, Lord, help us to be good stewards of that and to see how you want us to do good works with it. And Lord, help us to be faithful, to invest in our own lives, spiritually speaking, to be ones who are going to um, utilize all the resources that you've given us, whether it be your word or prayer or fellowship, means of growth in our lives, God, to help us um, become more like Jesus and to be more effective for your kingdom, Lord. And as we, Lord, help us, if, if this is a new thing to us about investing in others, Lord, help us to, to just press into that, to ask your help, Lord, to uh, bring people in our lives or to help us to have eyes to see the people that are already around us, to see them as people who need to know Jesus and if they, need to, if they already know Jesus, then they, they need to have a vision to become growing towards maturity. And so they need disciple. So Lord, help us to have a mindset like that. And thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. That, you know, because we never do all these things perfectly, but we, we strive according to the power which so mightily works within us through the Holy Spirit. We ask it all in Jesus' name.